Hello there, I'm Marina Mahadeo. Welcome to Busy Reading Books, a podcast where we'll explore the world through words, featuring some of my favourite books and authors. Hello BRB listeners, we've got an exciting offer for you. Get an exclusive 10% discount at Book Access, Malaysia's leading book retailer. Just use the code ZAFIGO10, all caps, at checkout before 6 September 2021. It can be used store-wide except during flash sales. Happy shopping! Welcome everyone to this week's edition of Busy Reading Books by Zafigo.com. Hope you've been enjoying listening to the past episodes. This week, we've got a very, very special one because we have a very special person on. He is a horse rider, occasional farmer, occasionally governs the country as prime minister twice over, and he writes books and reads a lot. So today, we're going to talk to Tun Dr. Mahathir Muhammad about what he reads and the books he is writing now and he also happens to be my dad so hi daddy hi (laughs) so talking about books um i'm a big reader and i'm a big reader because you encouraged us to read from very young i remember uh when i was a child that you bought us uh, all those children's classics. I think there was a whole range of children's classics. And there was the Little Tin Soldier, I think, Tumbelina, Heidi, all those books. So I think that's really, really what started me off uh, reading books because we always had books at home. It, it was great. We didn't have much TV at the time. Uh, when I was little. No TV. No, no TV. So I read. So did you read a lot when you were a child as well? Yes, I read everything that I could read, even advertisements. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, in those days, um, reading material is not very, um, not much available. Mostly it's an uh, English uh, magazine. A boys magazine, children's magazine like Rover, Champion. Uh, they tell stories about uh, about all these very uh, uh, talented people, very brave people who face all kinds of dangers and overcome them. I was very uh, much taken up by their success, their behavior, their the way they uh, they conduct themselves. Adventure, they're like adventure comic books? Yes, a lot of adventures. Of course, in those days, um, uh, we were still, uh, we see a lot of colonies and uh, Mm. these people go to the colonies and how they uh, did a lot of good things in the colonies. For us, solve all our problems for us. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. But uh, Tokman, your, your father... Um, Muhammad Iskandar was an English teacher, right? Uh, so did he encourage you all to read? Not actually encourage because uh, in those days, uh, fathers don't talk to children, to <laughs> their children much. But what happens is that he has a library 
called Reader's Library. Right. A whole series of, of books. At home? Uh, at home, yeah. So I used to go through all those books. What, what sort of books? Uh, they are English uh, books. Uh, some are classical stories. Uh, right. Yeah. Like Charles Dickens or yeah, things like that. Shakespeare and things yeah. like that. So you read everything? You read, yeah. Yeah. Do you think you read more than, than the rest of your family or was everybody into reading? I think I read more than everybody else in the family because um, actually I learned English through reading, reading not mm. in the school. No? I learned English through reading books. But your father was an English teacher. Yes, but he did not uh, sit down to teach us. He used to teach my brother mathematics. Oh. Uh, and I learned my mathematics listening to him teaching my brother. <laughs> so I was ahead of the class because my father, my brother was uh, two years my senior. Oh, so oh, so you were learning maths that was yeah, above your... I couldn't help listening. Right. What you, and you understood just like that. I understood. HCF, LCM, lowest common factor Didn't, and all that. Uh, I don't remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So what types of books do you read now? Nowadays I read... Uh, I like to read uh, uh, novels um, written by certain authors. I, I go by the, by the name of authors. Okay, which uh, ones? Not, um, for example... Currently, I'm reading uh, one by Ken Follett. Oh, yeah. Ken Follett, Wilbur Smith, mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, uh, Jeffrey Archer. So, there's a certain type of, of author that you like. That yeah. These are like, they write thrillers yeah. and adventures. And yeah. I used to read some of your Wilbur Smith books. Yeah. They are always set in Africa, aren't they? Yeah, mostly in Because Africa. he is from Africa, I think. He's from South Africa. South Africa, right. So a lot of adventures on mm. safari and things like that. Mm. So what, what is it that you like about these books? Oh, of course, he, he uh, uh, concentrates on certain families, uh, families who seem to be very much uh, involved in the affairs of uh, uh, the countries of, uh, of Africa. Right. Of course, they, they did very well. Their members of the family were doing all kinds of uh, uh, good things. These are white families you're oh, talking about? Of course, about. it's white. <laughs> right. And they, were, they all initially came from Europe, of course. Right. But you liked them, despite yeah, being Yeah, in those days, I was very much... Until now, I'm still reading books by them, but uh, in the old days, I was very impressed by the characters that I read in these books. Right. Perhaps they influence uh, some of my, my thinking or my being. What sort of characters? Oh, that uh, they're very brave. They take chances. Uh. They take risks. They overcome problems, things like that. But they're all fictional. They're all fiction, but uh, they, they appear to be so real. <laughs> That's a good writer, then. They made them real to you. Mm. Yeah. 
But which do you prefer, fiction or non-fiction? Do you you read non-fiction as well, don't you? Yeah, I read a lot of um, books on uh, economics, on finance and things like that. Because I have to be to understand these things. But I don't enjoy them, reading them, really. But I read a lot of fiction. Yeah, more than non-fiction? More than non-fiction. So you're reading them for leisure? Yeah. But when do you read? I, I never... See, I, you're I, always so busy. When do you read? <laughs> Any time at all that I'm free, I read. Yeah. But uh, mostly just before bed. When I go to bed, I would read in bed. <laughs> and how long do you last? Because I don't last long. I, I well, start reading and then I fall asleep. I limit myself to a number of pages. Oh. After that, I, I will go to sleep. Oh, so you tell yourself you'll read how many pages? Yeah, not, not very many. Ten pages. I feel sleepy, I will stop, but normally about 10 to 15 pages. That's a lot. That's a lot more than me. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> but, so you does know, that take you a long time to finish a book then, if you yeah, only read? Because uh, Ken Follett writes books for, of, for of, uh, 800 pages. Sometimes. Oh, really? Uh, it takes a long time to finish. Right. And I couldn't... I couldn't uh, wait to go to bed to read. Oh, so you only read in bed. Did yeah, you ever read, read on well, planes? Well, at, at other times also, I do read. You, when if we used to travel, did you ever read on the plane? Uh, sometimes, sometimes I do. But on the plane, I used to do work. Mm, to prepare for your... Yeah, for the next going. place I was going to, I want to know. And some of the works that I... Uh, needed to do in office, but couldn't finish, uh, carry along with me. Right. One of the issues that people are talking a lot about now is that because of the internet, because of the smartphones, people are not reading uh, for very long. They're not reading deep, meaning that they're just reading headlines. They might read a short article. The attention span has shortened a great deal. I know I, I suffer from it uh, quite a bit, and it's a real effort to open a book and tell myself I'm going to read. And it's important to read deeply into a book because then you uh, understand what the book is about, you empathize with the character, and uh, you learn more about different people. Do you find that your attention span has shortened as well, or do you still, you know, no. read properly and read a long time? I, I don't like the writings that you can get through your phone, for example, mm. because they don't even spell things properly, <laughs> and yeah. they shorten the words and all that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like the way it is written. Right. I prefer the old way, reading a book, where I learn uh, phrases, because uh. English, of course, is not about stringing words together. It's about phrases, and uh, you have to know those phrases. Right. By, uh, what phrase? And when you read... What phrase exactly? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I always quote this, uh, you know, uh, in, in English, you don't say it is raining heav heavily. You say it is raining cats and dogs. Right. Yeah, you can only get that in a book. Yeah. But if you learn English per se, then you don't get. Uh, for example, time. Time is uh, 
soon by saying, by saying uh, much water has flowed under the bridge. Yeah. You see, I mean... I mean it's a metaphor. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what uh, no. good writers do. They create metaphors that explain something else through a different analogy. Yeah, that's that's what I try and do. But non-fiction, surely there must have been some non-fiction books that you find interesting. Not just facts and figures, but things that explain explain things. Well, there, nowadays there are very many new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I need, I need to understand them. Yeah. So I need to get books uh, which explain things. Uh, for example, in this digital age and all that, what you can do, what you cannot do, how you do business and all that, all those things interest me. Right. For example, uh, today, uh, we no longer go to the shop. We can buy all online. Yeah. And online business is something that you need to understand and it creates the opportunities which I I need to know because I need to write and ask, ask people to to adopt these new ways of doing business. And I mean, when you read these books and these new ideas and all that, do, do you take notes? I mean, how do you remember all these things that you do? You read. <laughs> I have to take notes. I I don't I don't take notes, but I read often. So I I believe in doing things repeatedly because. You know, if you do anything once, you don't remember much. But if you keep on reading or doing something repeatedly, you acquire certain skills. So I remember when I was studying medicine, I used to read the pathology books 10 times. Mm. To the point where, I mean, it's the a same thick thing. Book. Uh, the same thing. It's the whole a thick book? book. Yeah, the whole book. To the point where when I sit for my exam, I see the question and I immediately remember the page, the writing and the pictures. Oh. I can remember that. You you don't have a photographic memory, do you? No, not photographic. But when you see something, like when you see a a person, if you see him often, you recognize him even if it is from the back or from the sound of his voice. These things you don't try to remember. But it just comes. It just absorbs. You know, when I was <clears throat> young, I thought that you told me that you took a speed reading course because you wanted to get through all these books and all these papers quickly. Did you really do that? I did, I did. But I did not achieve that high speed. But okay. I, re- I do read quickly. You taught yourself, right? Yeah, I taught How did you learn it? Was, was it a, a, an audio course or how did you learn how to speak? No, there, there are certain things that they tell you to do, which if you follow, you would, for example, you skim through mm-hmm. quickly. So very soon you find that the, your eyes pick up the whole sentence rather than words. And huh. see, so when you read, you read the whole sentence as as a, as if it is one word. Right. So then it speeds up your writing. Your reading. Your reading. And, and, and you found that it worked, it and helped. It works, but not as well as I hope. 
But oh. now, I, sometimes I have to go back and see hey, what, what, what did I read just now. I got to go back. I miss it. Yeah, I, I find sometimes that my even while reading, my mind can wander. So I'm actually missing, missing things. So I have to go back to it. But um, just going back to nonfiction, I'm, I'm only I'm interested in nonfiction, even though I read a lot of fiction because I'm a nonfiction writer. And nowadays, there's a, a genre called creative nonfiction, where people write books, um, nonfiction books, uh, but in a style that's not dry, that tells a story, narratives. Biographies, for instance. Do you read biographies? I had to read because <laughs> at one time I wanted to write my own autobiography. So I want to know how it is done. So I read a number of books. Whose? Uh, Nelson Mandela and others mm -hmm. like that. I, I read them to see the style, yeah. the way they tell their story. See, I get very embarrassed talking about myself. But in a, an autobiography, you have to talk about yourself. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, what it's about. But, but when you do something uh, that looks like praising yourself or saying that you have done something great and all that, that is against my nature. I, do, I don't like to refer to myself. For example, uh, the first thing I did when I became a minister was to uh, order the, the ministry not to use my name, not to put up my pictures. And uh, I, I, I don't want to have any name uh, given to anything, uh, any, my name being given to anything. Because uh, I, I became a minister of education. Yeah. Almost all education ministers have schools named yeah. after them. Right. See, yeah. but I thought I, I objected to that because I don't like personality cult. Right, right. Um, so, but you did write your autobiography. In the, in the end. In I the had, end. I, yeah, but as you can see, most of it is about things that were done. Yeah. Uh, not not uh, necessarily by me. Uh, maybe uh, I contribute a little to it. Well, it, it is your take on things, you know. I mm. mean, I don't think that autobiographies have to be praising. There are mm. some autobiographies where mm. um, people tell really very, very difficult stories about themselves, you know, mm. memoirs. I mean, they're really memoirs. But, you know... At, at least, I mean, yours is, is not too bad. It's a combination of, of personal and a little bit impersonal. I know someone who was ghostwriting a book for someone and that person had even bigger problem than you. In the entire book, he was referred to as the chairman. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's worse. I, I, yeah. I think at least you weren't, you know, referred to as the PM throughout. Um, but I did pass you some books, some non-fiction books. I hope you read them. I um, yeah. probably. Do you ever read anything I give you? Have you read my books, by the way? <laughs> I skimmed through some. You skimmed through yeah. the books but I what, gave you. Yeah, but uh, the thing is that lots of people, knowing that I, I like reading, yeah. they all give me books. Yeah. 
sometimes they come me with a pile of books yeah. as as their gift to me. Yeah. I can't very well read all of them. So some of them I just put aside. I look at the title, and then uh, if I find it interesting, I may glance through the first pages or something like that. Uh, then uh, I have to put it aside. I just, just cannot read. No time. No time. Yeah, no, I, it's true. I, I have a whole stack of books, mostly that I buy myself, which means I choose them myself and I still haven't got through to them. But I've promised myself that I will read more this year because uh, you have a very uh, reading granddaughter <laughs> who has... This is April. She's read nine books. Mm. And she is aiming for, I forget, I think it's, I don't know whether it's 50 books for this year or something like that. So I felt I had to keep up. <laughs> so, yeah. So what's on your bedside table right now, then? Right now, I'm reading uh, Ken Follett's uh, uh, book on... It, it is all about the the war, the 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 Great War. World War One or World War Two? World War One. Oh. Uh, World War Two. Oh, people still writing about the war? <laughs> well, no, no, but this book is written a long time ago. Oh, okay. So they're not current books. Not current books. Oh, do you keep up with current books? What what's yeah, come I do. out? Yeah, Everything. I, I sometimes. Uh, a book I have read a long time ago, uh, I find so interesting that I reread. You do reread. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. But coming back to biographies, I just finished Barack Obama's latest book, A Promised Land. Mm. Uh, it's, I think it's volume one. There's another volume coming because he stops uh, just at, I think at the end of, uh, just about 2015 or 2016, I think he stops there. So there's more to come. Um, do you ever have you ever read any of his books? I don't know. I, I really I must honestly say that I didn't have much time to read. Yeah. I glanced through the first few pages and that's all. Have you ever tried audiobooks? I I've heard about it. I've tried once, but it was not interesting enough for me. Oh, I I do that actually. I I I've really begun to appreciate audiobooks. They're actually uh, I'm going to be doing a whole episode on audiobooks later. But I I find they're really interesting because sometimes they add atmosphere to the book. Mm. Um, Barack Obama reads his own book, as does Michelle Obama. Um, I read one fiction one, or I listened to one fiction one, um, which won an award, uh, and it's set in the Caribbean, so everybody on it talks with a Caribbean accent, mm. which is uh, kind of fun. So I'm actually reading three books at the same time. So mm. I, what I try to do is I read one fiction book, one non-fiction, and one on audio. Mm. I should try. So, so that I don't mix up the, the stories. So, coming back to the books that you have written, how many books have you written now? Uh, I have written about altogether about six or seven books. 
I wrote a forcibly dilemma. That was right. one of the first book published. Subsequently, I wrote uh, about the challenge and things like that. The challenge of what? The challenge, the uh, the community's challenge. Right. Uh, what what we need to do and all that. Uh, I wrote about small business, mm -hmm. small business, and. Uh, well, I th I, th I think there are about six books out here. Plus Doctor in the House. Plus Doctor in the House, yes. Right. So out of all that, which has been the most successful? <laughs> Doctor, Doctor in the, the House, house of yeah. course. Um, so what was the, what has been your experience writing all these books? I mean, Malay Dilemma, you wrote, how long did you take to write that? And then, it, you know, you got it published and then it got banned. Yeah. That was a time when I was expelled from Amno, and uh, therefore I was more free, and uh, I was uh, practicing medicine at that time, so I had quite a lot of time. And uh, these are actually uh, follow up to several articles which I used to write for the Straits Times when I was a student yeah. in uh, in Singapore. So I was very very much uh, um, concerned about uh, people who are poor and uh, the paddy farmers and things like that, and uh, the behavior of people in those days at that time about women and about the culture, like uh, and uh, wronging, and you know. So all those things, I thought. Uh, were interesting things which I felt was not given enough publicity right. because uh, there were not many Malay writers in those days. In English, writing in, in English. English yeah. Right. Um, so was the book a compilation of your columns? It wasn't, right? It was a completely no, no, no. new no, book. I, I set out to do because I, I was in Parliament. I have been talking about these issues mm -hmm. uh, involving the Malays. Mm -hmm. why they are, why, what is happening to them, why they behave in that way. So I thought I would put it down in a book form because I couldn't speak in Parliament anymore. I was right. no longer a member of Parliament. That's so right. I put down this book and then I found difficulty to publish and then I had to go to Singapore, sent to Singapore, for Donald Moore to publish a book, and they published it, and immediately it was banned. I don't know why it was banned. Oh, weren't you given a reason? No reason at all. Oh. But I, I suspect that Tun Raza actually uh, directed some of his advisors to read the book. Mm -hmm. So there, uh, the result, for example, the idea of the new economic policy it's almost identical with what I have written. So you mean, oh, it wasn't that he asked them to read the book and then ban it? No. 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 Who was responsible for banning your book? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, the government. The I government suppose, at I the time. It was, 1960, uh, yeah. 1970. Yeah. I it could it have been, I don't like to suspect anybody, but it could have been uh, Ghazali Shafi. Right. 
Right. Well, you know, um, well, eventually that you lifted the ban when you became PM. Yeah. It's very handy yeah. <laughs> to, to have that. But Even Hussein didn't did not leave the ban. Even Razak did not leave the leave, ban. Right. I don't, I don't know. Right. I, 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 there's nothing... Uh, uh, I mean, I wasn't urging people to revolt or anything like that. I just want to, to give my ideas about about what could be done. Right. Well, it, it's still happening to a lot of people, I think. There, there are quite a lot of books that are still being banned yeah. uh, nowadays. Um, do, do you remember uh, one time Karen Armstrong came to KL to speak and you were there, you went to listen to her um, and then it was quite embarrassing because her books were banned. Mm. And I think it's because uh, she talks about Islam mm. always very, very positively, but because she's non-Muslim for some reason, they felt mm. that she couldn't do that, so it was banned. And there are many other books like that, uh, yeah. that banned. I think one of the books I gave you by Mustafa Akil was banned as mm. well. It's a real problem, I think, this banning books. And I suspect you know, that people don't actually read the books. They just look at the titles and then they look at the the person and then decide that it should be banned. But frankly, nobody here has ever run riot because they read a book. <laughs> if anything, they're more likely to run riot by something they read on WhatsApp, I think, these days. Um, so now, are you writing a follow-up to Doctor in the House? Because... Yes. Things have happened since mm, then. Well, yeah, about things now happening now. Right. And also the period after I stepped down. Of course, I wrote the first book, The Growth in the House, after I set, stepped down. And some of the things which happened then were also in the, in the book. But since then, many more things have happened. Right. And I thought you're also updating Malay Dilemma. Is that true? No, I don't. I'm no, not, you're not updating. So you're just updating Doctor mm, in the House? I've been asked to update uh, the book on the challenge, for example. Mm -hmm. But I don't have the time. Right. Right. But you have people helping you write. Yeah, but people helping me uh, is uh, to reflect my ideas and my own way of writing. It's very difficult, so I have to reread, and sometimes I have to rewrite. And and you literally mean write, right? Because you write by hand. Yeah, I write longhand. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Your entire book, you uh, write. I longhand. don't type. Yeah, I know you don't type. Somebody needs to read your writing and yeah. and type it, yeah. and then you correct it. Yeah, sometimes five times. <laughs> You're a nightmare for an editor, I'm <laughs> sure. So when's your new book going to come out? Well, I hope sometime this year. This year? Yeah. In November, maybe? Maybe, maybe, maybe earlier. Oh, then we might be going head to head because I have a book coming oh. out mm. this year too. Mm. <laughs> then I think it'll be a losing game trying to compete with you. But we have been on books list, best-selling books list together, I remember. I think mm. it was uh, popular or something, popular bookstore. Where mm. We were both on the same list. Well, of course, 
you won and I didn't. <laughs> and I think this is a constant problem. <laughs> so I better warn my publishers about this possible date clash. Yeah, so what do you think now about Malaysians and books? I mean, there are a lot of bookstores nowadays, but we keep hearing that Malaysians don't read. So how, it seems like a contradiction. How do you have bookstores and Malaysians don't read? I think there are still a lot of Malaysians who read. That's why we still have uh, bookshops. Right. And some of the bookshops are very big. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, they're not doing as well as they used to uh, because uh, I, some of them have, uh, well, reduced the size of the shop and moved their location and all that. But uh, every anything that is published in the world today, uh, you can find in Malaysian bookshop, excepting those which are banned. Except okay. those that are banned, right. But um, I think there's a new thing coming. I think one of the things that stops Malaysians from buying books is the price. Because books are quite pricey. Um, even if they're paperbacks and all that, you can expect to pay 30 ringgit and up for, for a book. But the new thing, I met an extraordinary person last week, Andrew Yap from Book Access. Um, whom I think you should mean. <laughs> what they've done is really reduce the price of books for for mm. everyone. And that has caused a lot of people to read. The, the way they do that is that they, um, they started off by buying remainders from publishers, um, you know, oversupply of books and things like that. Then publishers found this a good way to get rid of their stock. And so they sell them for really cheap. And now they are so big that they can tell publishers to print hmm. or reprint books, which they can sell at a much cheaper price. So what this has done is actually increase the market for books because people now can afford. Because his idea was to sell paperback books at under 10 ringgit hmm. originally. And it's, it's quite interesting I don't know whether $100 for my uh, doctor in the house is very uh, costly or not. But I want my books to be read, so I don't want to uh, make money from the book. And so uh, most of my books, I try, I try to price as low as possible so that more people will read. That is important. It's no good writing a, very bo a book that nobody reads. That's true. It, it is up to the publisher, though. But your book was, what, 700 pages? 800. 800 pages? So I think 800 pages for 100 ringgit is quite okay. La. The, that's the hardcover. There must be a yeah. cheaper price for, cheaper the, price. for the paperback. The other thing that happens to me is that uh, I make speeches, I write articles. Right. People collect my speeches and articles and publish them under their name. Yeah. They read one, one chapter, the rest is all my article. But I, I never bother about that. If people want to read whatever I write or whatever I, I, I speak, uh, that's fine. I, I, I would rather have people know what I want to say than try to make money out of it. True, but, but yeah... 
I mean, m- most authors might might get a little bit upset about people making books out of their speeches because then they earn nothing. But if you're if you're not interested in earning money from from that, that's okay. I know one person who did a PhD on your speeches just on Islam. Um, I think you know him, uh, Dr. Shortman, Sven Shortman in Australia, which uh, is is quite good. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> there's so much that you have written, actually, you know, if you count all the speeches and things. And, and you should actually be cited for the as the author of, of those speeches. So anyway, what would you say to, to people, especially young people, to encourage them to read? Yeah, but they they should begin with reading story books, yeah, uh, nice uh, uh, novels and things like that. Initially, it will be difficult because uh, you don't uh, know how the words are pronounced and all that. But as you go along, you begin to get addicted mm-hmm. that you you need a book, you need to read a book, you need to read something all the time. So when you, when you come to that stage, reading is a pleasure, no longer a, a, a burden to you. You see, so initially that's why I I think that in schools, uh, each class should has should have at least three books for the year, three books which they must read and they must be questioned about, so that we know that they read. Because the best way of learning, in, if they are studying English, the best way of learning English is to read books, not to learn about grammar. I yeah. never learn about grammar. I'm not good at grammar. But when I write something, it doesn't feel right. I know it is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't sound like what I have read. That's right. So when you read, you become accustomed to the way it should be written and spoken. So then you absorb the grammar in that way, right? Do you read books in any other language, in Malay? <laughs> in Malay, maybe not too much because uh, some, um, some of the books are, well, maybe not well written or uh, things that I already know. So I don't read much of what uh, they write. They're not writing about anything new, you mean? Yeah, sometimes they are. Sometimes they're too much uh, uh, thing uh, about miracles and oh. things. Uh, that all these things is to me you know, not. Well, you know, the top selling books, uh, Malay books in this country are are two types. Uh, one are religious books. The mm. other is how to make money. It seems yeah. contradictory, but yeah, those are, those are the main types. And on the fiction side, it's all romances, religious yeah. romances mostly. What would you say to authors, you know, if they wanted to write, people who want to write books, you know, would you, what would you say to encourage them? There are lots of new young Malaysian authors these days who are doing well. Some of them are getting international recognition in English. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot more. I, I think our stories need to be heard um, internationally, you know, just to make it more diverse. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people write about their own experiences, like um, those who climb 
uh, Mount Everest, for example, they like to write about, which is very good. But when writing uh, in, in English, of course, grammar is quite important. And uh, that can be learned through reading books. Yeah. If you read a lot of books, then you write well. That's but right. if you don't read books on your own, you try to string words to tell your story, uh, it's not going to sound correct. That's true. That's true. I, I think every author and every creative writing teacher says the same thing. You have to read to be able to write. So, so we have to encourage people to read more in order to write more. So... Thank you very much talking to us about books. It's been really, really interesting. Well, we look forward to talking to you about other things next time, too. Okay. Inshallah. God willing. Thank you. Thank you. You're and welcome. Selamat berpuasa. Selamat berpuasa. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out zafigo.com for more travel inspiration. Until next time.